0: And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home.
1: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow.
2: Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
3: My partner Charlie and I didn't really decide to move to a small town so much as found ourselves here. And after several months, couldn't imagine ourselves being anywhere else. Sometimes that's how it works. You think you're going somewhere to visit or just to try it out for a few weeks or months, like we did in the middle of the pandemic. And then you just end up staying. A lot of people made similar decisions during the pandemic and some of them have found themselves wildly happy, while others find themselves missing the city more than they anticipated. This is Town Sizing, a podcast from HDTV, all about small-town living. And I'm your host, Anne Helen Peterson. Now, I wasn't born to living in a small town, but I still had certain fantasies about what living on the island would be like that didn't work out quite like I expected. Like, I love the ferry. I love the romance of the ferry. I love even the fact that the ferry kind of makes you wait for things and plan things. What I don't love is when you make an appointment three months in advance for a massage and you just look forward to it so much. And then you get in line for the ferry and it's a huge windstorm and the ferry goes out and you have to scrap all of your plans. That sucks. But that's also just part of the risk, right? Like how do we balance this fantasy, all of the fun things of small town living with the reality? Like as a single person, you have the freedom to move wherever and whenever you want. Like to a small town. But then when you get to that place, you find yourself by yourself and have to build community on your own and find housing on your own and decide whether you're even going to try dating. And if you have a family, you have to think about proximity to school. Like here on the island, there's this adorable elementary school. But from middle school and high school, the kids take the ferry to the mainland every day. And what are you going to do if you meet all the moms in town and none of them want to be friends with you? The possibility of small town mean girl stuff is very real and it's something you have to think about. Plus, if you're a person of color, you also have to think about whether you're going to be the only person of color no matter where you go in town. And I mean this very seriously, you have to think about whether or not there's someone in town who can even do your hair. All of this stuff really matters. Today, we're gonna hear two stories from people grappling with these very questions. First, we have Laura and Anders Wenstrom, a white 30-something couple from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who have two daughters, age three and six. They've been wrestling with the idea of moving to a small town for basically their entire marriage. So, you know, I did this call out on my newsletter where I was like, if you are thinking about maybe moving to a small town, reach out to me. And there were hundreds of people who reached out. Like, Is this a conversation that is continually happening in your house?
1: Yeah, I would say, are we going to move to a small town if and when has been sort of the central source of conflict in our entire relationship and has come to a point where we talk about it constantly. It's like, do you want to have our fight? It feels like it's that conversation. That's the fight? Oh. I mean, sometimes we oh fight about other things, but like it seems like it's the the conversation that we're like talk in circles around totally. and have never come to a
3: mutual understanding. Yeah, you said help me solve this thirteen plus year marital dilemma.
2: We started out in a small town right after we were married.
3: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Laura months.
2: had a art residency in Jamestown, North Dakota.
1: Well so we met in Chicago when we were in college and I was very enchanted with living in Chicago and felt like this is my place like I have to live in a city and I was like very interested in racial reconciliation and like social justice work and it just was like it has to happen in the city meanwhile Anders was a little bit more stressed by city life.
3: Um, you don't like it. Anders, what's your least favorite part about city life? Is it traffic?
2: No, it's noise. I have a theory about people's ages and their personalities. There's a time in your life where I call it your golden age, where your personality aligns with how old you are. And let's just say that mine is yet to come. <laughs> <laughs> so I get a little crotchety about yeah. noise.
3: If, like you say, we all have our, like, spirit ages, I, too, am also probably a 75-year-old man and hurt. I'm, like, my granddad, just 100% sitting in the backyard complaining about, like, the small amount of noise. What's the ideal, if you were to move to a small town, like, what would the size be that you're thinking about?
1: That we would probably be more compelled by a property, like, a piece of land... Than we are interested in, like, a specific town. So I think, like, dream property, if we were on House Hunters, we would say probably an hour and a half from Minneapolis-St. Paul, 100 miles, 20 to 40 acres. Anders wants to be adjacent to some kind of body of
3: water, river, stream, lake... Have you guys, like, spent time on Zillow?
1: Yeah, Anders pretty much twice a week is, you know, before I'm even out of bed. He's, like, had a couple cups of coffee, and he's like, Laura, I found a place. I found the perfect place. And so there's a constant stream of
2: dream homes. There are some interesting places. Sometimes in rural areas, they're a little bit more DIY. You know, there's no one else out here to do the work, so I'm going to have to figure it out. Like, the city has a lot of permits, which are good but things are tend to go a certain way and unless you have a lot yeah. of money you can't make some unique.
1: Yeah. Some kind of interesting house. Buildings. It can yes. be a fixer upper, not on a main road. Do you move because you want some acres or do you move because you want a specific town? And I think we want the acres more than the town.
3: So when you think of the pros, both of you, what are the pros? that like absolutely come to mind, like the three big things for each of you that you're like, this would be amazing if we found that
2: property. For me, it's like, I'm a big gardener. I've pretty much maxed out most of the space on my lot. I got stuff on the boulevard. I'm thinking about putting things in the alley now because I just don't have any more space to grow things. I don't really think we need a bigger house. Like I'm not out for more square footage necessarily because the suburbs have that if we really want that. And then light pollution, Being able to do whatever you want without people, like, I'm, you know, a little bit of a libertarian (laughs) ideal to be like, just mind your own damn business. Uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, in the morning when I let the dogs out, like, I'm not usually fully dressed and no one can see me, right? Like, I just, like, step out of the porch with no pants on. It's fine.
2: Sometimes you see your neighbors naked or you're like, whoa, (laughs) I didn't want to see that. (laughs) Because the way that economies are in a small town versus a city, there's a little bit more ways to expand small businesses or trying stuff out without the same amount of risk. Especially for Laura, like there's been talk about opening a thrift store or maybe having a smaller farm or doing different things that you can't do when you're confined by how expensive things are or how competitive the market is.
3: Yeah, that's such a good point. And you know, oftentimes, too, in those smaller towns, there's gorgeous storefronts that... Yeah, sitting empty. People are, yeah, just sitting empty, right? And that can be transformed. Laura, what about you? What are the pros that you think about? I think about space,
1: mm-hmm. like art-making space. Space like, for sh- crap. <laughs> I think a lot of sculptures, and I'm a collector of stuff. I just would like more space to spread out and not have to pay thousands of dollars a month for studio rent. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about maybe having an artist residency or kind of retreat space or doing an Airbnb thing.
3: Okay, so what about cons now? So for me, <laughs> I think okay,
1: so the first thing too is that I have never lived in a small town. I have a lot of bias, so I'm willing to admit that that i I don't know, and so there's there is a little bit of fear. I think that I worry about, would you find a community that you're going to have common ideals with, that you'll fit in with? Because if there's only, you know, one other person your age in that town and you see the world, you know, like you don't like each other, then what do you do? To me, it's really important right now that our kids are in a city and they're going to a school that is very diverse, and they are learning about languages and culture and gender and all of these things that I think are good for kids to learn about. And I know that that doesn't happen in every community. So those are those are kind of my main the homogeneity of a small town and the fitting in. Anders, what about you for negatives?
2: No, I, I think I echo some of the stuff that Laura is concerned about. Humans. We're kind of lazy, and so we don't really necessarily learn stuff unless we're forced to. Like, right now, my commute is pretty short. Like, I ride my bike to work, and I like it a lot. I don't really want to drive somewhere every day. You know, some people in the country, they drive forever to get to work. (laughs) Like, if I work from home in the country, that's cool. Like, I can just sit on a spreadsheet or something. So... That would kind of annoy me. So I'd, I'd have to make it so, like, I I wouldn't have to leave ever. Yeah.
3: I mean, if you want to, you could come live on an island. That would help with that problem. Laura, I know that you mentioned, like, you're a little bit anxious that, like, if you move to a smaller place, Anders would, like, have this amazing garden and, like, be out there all the time. And then you would be tasked with doing a little bit more of the, like... The mental load of figuring out, okay, well, we got to go into town and we got to stock up for two weeks and we got to get this and like doing all oh, of that. How
1: are we
2: gonna live? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guess we're gonna yeah, live I, on an island. <laughs> I guess I'm
1: like, I don't want to be a farm wife, like in a yeah, traditional yeah, 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 sense. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to get up and this is my stereotypes again, like milk cows and you know, never go on a vacation ever again because we yeah. have to, because you have too many livestock and someone has to take care of the chickens. Well, it's stuff you hear people complain about. Um, yeah. 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 Sometimes I feel like the second wife to Anders's garden, which is on a 10th of an acre right now and he's laughing. My, my uh, partner true.
3: can relate, totally relate. I'm like, oh, do you want to see all these pictures of my garden? He's like, when was the last time you took a picture of me? Yes. That's a good question. How many times uh, do you
1: take my picture this summer? <laughs> None. Anyway, um, yeah. And there's this legitimate, like, what would we do for for income? You know, my role as an artist, I'm doing a lot of gig teaching things and... Anders works at a blood bank, um, managing materials and medical supplies and yeah. spreadsheets and deliveries. And I don't really understand it, but we're predominantly de- financially dependent on your job and your insurance. And that yeah. allows me to have work flexibility. So then, you know, if you move someplace and you're not moving for a job, right. What are you going to do when you get there? So there's, yeah, that. that's like a whole question too.
3: You know, when I talk to younger people who are trying to figure out what they want to do, especially, like, if they don't have a community in the place where they are, it's a lot easier to say, yeah, find the place where you want to put down those roots. But to people who already have really strong roots, it's really different. Do you think you're going to make this decision anytime soon or is it just going to be a continued conversation? What do you think?
1: I also have strongly believed that when it is time or when it is right, we're going to know. Like, we're going to know this is right for us now. And I we haven't gotten there yet. And so I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah.
2: Speak for yourself. Next year <laughs> or <laughs> in 10 years or
1: I don't
3: know. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's often, it's the person who needs to be a little bit persuaded, right? Who, it like, it's something clicks into place. And it's hard to know what that thing is going to be because clearly it hasn't happened yet. And mm-hmm. maybe it will.
1: Yeah. And I think I'm now on the like someday i'm open Mm -hmm. to it whereas maybe five years ago i was like never never ever
3: yeah you just said like you know a 10-year 15-year plan that point vegetable gardening will be harder on your back but
2: still possible i'll just build the raised beds really high so you don't have to bend over a lot of automation we'll
3: have teenagers by then
2: yeah they're not gonna help (laughs) us. (laughs)
3: This has been a total pleasure and anytime you want, send me a Zillow if you need someone else to be excited about a rural space because I will be excited with you.
1: Thank you so much for having us. It was fun to talk to you.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: As you heard, wrestling with a small-town move is hard and layered with considerations about career, kids, diversity, childcare, friends, or lack thereof. When you're single, the decision is just as complex, but your priorities and the questions you ask yourself might be a little different. That brings us to our second guest, Noelle Moraine. Noelle is a 45-year-old Black woman. She's not married, not interested in being married, and doesn't have kids. She's lived in big cities her whole life, New York City, Los Angeles, Barcelona. But now she's really looking for a cozy little spot that is all her own, that hopefully also comes with Central AC and a washer dryer. But we'll get to that later.
4: I came to live here in rural-ish Maryland after being in LA for six years, because I was even at a point in LA where I was like, uh, I kind of don't know if I want to stay here. Yep. I kind of don't want to move back to New York. When I'm like, well, I'll figure out where I want to live. It'll be someplace on the East Coast, maybe like close-ish to New York. And I'm like, a non-negotiable. I got to have central heat and air. I'm like, I'm done putting air conditioning in windows and I want a washer and dryer. And i like, I know that's going to, you know, up the cost a little bit. But at this point, yeah. the price isn't even the issue anymore. It's the wear.
3: So, okay. So small town there, you can hopefully get something that is not as expensive and have a little bit more space. What else about a small town is attractive to you?
4: Just a slower pace. And I say that as somebody who's been working from home mostly since 2013. So my pace has been pretty slow already. There's something about like the energy of being in a city where the minute you go outside, you already feel tired. It's like too much stimulation. You could know people, but they're kind of all spread out around everywhere. So I just like the idea of like, you know, having a closer community just for me. But also just like, you know, I'm not going out until 4 a.m. anymore. Like, I just I can't do that. My bones don't work that way. I'm just like, "Mm, I will have a mug of tea and go to bed. Please leave me alone. You know, I know what the small town (laughs) thing is supposed to be. But I'm like, I'm not looking for that. I'm not going to meet like a rough farmer who just needs to be tamed. Like, that's not going to happen.
3: It's not going to be a Hallmark movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it,
4: it's there. that's how they all are. But I just also just like the idea of settling down. And I know that I don't want to do it in New York City. I don't necessarily want to do it in any big city. So maybe my search is small city, small town. I want to be close enough to my family. I don't have to live in the same town or state as them, but... Be close enough.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, it sounds like you're a person who, like, you like hanging out with yourself, right? I do. And you're comfortable and confident in what you want and need. And I actually think that that is, like, a great fit for a small town in so many ways or a more rural place because oftentimes the people who I find get really unhappy when they move to a smaller place is that they don't actually like hanging out with themselves, right? And they also, they, it's it's like the, the people who go to grad school because they don't know what else to do, right? They like move to a small town because they don't know what they actually want.
4: Yeah, I mean, like I moved to Barcelona when I was 28. So many years ago, because I'm 45. And I moved there by myself. I had jobs that I used to work in publishing and was yeah. a publicist. And I was just like, uh, I kind of want something different. So I moved to Spain had never actually been to Barcelona. <laughs> my point is, I made an impulsive move. I was like, oh, I'll get this one way ticket. I'll go move to Barcelona. I'll yeah. teach English. And I did. And it was fun. And I think about, okay, Barcelona, yes, it is a city, but it it's a city of 3 million people on the Mediterranean. Yeah. But it was, for me, it was cozy because it was mm-hmm. walkable. They had actual transportation because yeah. some of my classes were in business parks that weren't mm-hmm. in the city. So I think part of my idea of being in a smaller town is also like it's complicated in that we don't have as much infrastructure for things like walkability. Mm -hmm. And so I find myself on Zillow looking at these different places. And every time I'm like just scrolling down, what's the walk score? Because Zillow does that. They have walk scores. And I'm like, I'm like, ooh, 53 that's not going to work for me because I can drive. I just don't uh-huh. like to. Uh-huh. It's too much. Yeah. And so, you know, if I have to, obviously, like, I'm not going to go to Costco walking yeah. there. Yes, there's the complication of being single. Yes, there's also me being Black. But... Then it's like, what is the infrastructure? <laughs> like, what, how, how did they build yeah. the city, yeah, this yeah, town? Yeah. And you know, like,
3: does it still feel like a place where people like hang out downtown, where people, where there's an energy in the downtown right. area? I totally get that. And that yeah. to me is like the commonality in these, like the other people that we're talking to for this podcast is like, is there some sort of energy in the town that makes it feel like there is like, there's a center, right? There's something, there's a gravity almost. Right, that's the thing. So, okay, (laughs) what are you concerned about? You know, I think one thing that we talked about earlier is that you want to make sure that there's some way for you to get your hair done. And so would you be able to travel? Would you, do you want someone right there in town? What is your feeling on this?
4: I'm not unwilling to travel a bit. I'll put it to you this way. I know from a retail standpoint, they're not going to carry everything like every product yeah. that's available, they're going to carry the product that the people who live there want. So if I go to like your local Walgreens or Target, and I don't even see hair products that yeah. I can use that are for me, then that tells me something about the community mm-hmm. that I'm in. So it's not like you know, if I go to Greece, I'm not expecting them to have all the products that I'm supposed because that's not yeah. their population. But I'm in America. I'm like, well, you don't even have
3: anything
4: you know so that tells me a lot about the community of people that live here concerns are also political it just seems to be a bigger and bigger thing Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. in this country and obviously like in the places where I've lived everybody has all kinds of politics but I know that it's not going to get to a point where I'm just going to be like well I'm the only one Mm -hmm. here who makes sense to me I'm isolated in this place that I've chosen to live. I want to feel safe. And not, I'm not even talking about like mm-hmm. physical safety. I'm talking like mental, emotional yeah. safety. Yeah. You know, as a child, I didn't think about I was on the trains, on the buses, I was all over the place in New York City and think about it, but you're always on yep. like guard to like just make sure no one's doing yep. anything crazy. But in a political sense. Do I have to be on guard every time if, you know, am I always going to have to feel like I need to speak up because someone said Mm -hmm. something transphobic or homophobic or racist or whatever? Because then it's going to be like, oh, well, there goes that, you know, angry Black lady. She's always telling people how to, you know, be politically correct. And I'm like, that's not that's not my life. And I'm not I'm not here to like police people's language or ideas.
3: Right. Right. Well, and to have you be like tokenized either. Right. Like, well, Mm -hmm. let's ask the black person in town what she feels about.
4: Right. Like, well, what do you think? I'm like, (laughs) what are you talking like? Why are you asking me this? I don't know anything about these things. So and I say this like, you know, I've been in a lot of predominantly white spaces. Like when I went to undergrad, it was it was mostly Mm -hmm. white kids, which is, you know, whatever. It was fine. I had a I didn't have any problems, but I know what that feeling is like about like being in a class, talking about a book or history and just being like, well, maybe you should think about these things and just being like, I don't want to feel that like Mm -hmm. attention Mm -hmm. all the time. I think that's one of my main concerns, like outside of if it's walkable, if they have people to do my hair, am I going to be tense every time I walk into a Mm -hmm. situation with my neighbors? all the time. Like, I want our attention to be about like your tree is in my yard, you know, (laughs) like not the geopolitical (laughs) issue. You
3: know, I think it's it's kind of an interesting question to figure out since census data is hard to extrapolate from since it's old right now. Like, okay, if I go to a community, how can I figure out how many people of color live here? Besides going to the drugstore, like I think you have to go and hang out for a little bit.
4: You know? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to do some some yep. day trips. I have a friend who lives in Connecticut. She's a really good friend of mine. I've known her since I was fourteen. And I was like, Well, maybe I could move to Connecticut. But I'm like, I don't know. Connecticut's <laughs> real white. I know yeah. there are black people there. Yeah, I do know for that. Sure. So maybe yeah. we'll see. But it you know, it all kind of depends. I have to go and like do this reconnaissance. Like I can't just you know, do like I did before and buy yep. my one-way ticket and just be like, oh, I'm, I'm yep. here.
3: And okay, good segue. What about dating? So the one thing that I have heard from so many people who live in small towns is they like, they swipe through the population
4: pretty quickly. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Dating is difficult regardless, I think. I feel like there's going to have to be some compromises on my end. Like I'm a childless person and I intend mm-hmm. to stay that way. But I know the reality of the situation is that at my age, it's probably going to be like, you know, some mm-hmm. divorced dads. Totally. totally. Like,
3: That's such a good point. Right. Like,
4: you know, am I going to have to, like, get on an app and be like a hundred uh-huh. mile radius? Is that uh-huh. what it's going to be? As opposed to like, I don't even know. What is it? 10, 5, 10, 5, 15 miles, twenty. <laughs> yeah.
3: Usually. Have you tried like setting location on an app to like a small town and seeing what comes up?
4: I haven't, but I might. Like, it's interesting because I looked at my Bumble, which I don't use that often, but I think my Bumble was, like, open for the entire United (laughs) States. (laughs) But, yeah, like, the idea of that is just, like, I'm going to have to, like, you know, really think hard about, like, am I going to date someone younger, which... I'm like, at some point, you're also probably going to want to get married and have children. I don't even know if I want to get married. I just kind of want to date and see what happens. Yeah. And I know that that's kind of like also bucking against a lot of norms in a way, too, because... I am my age and I've never been married and I don't have kids. And so people are always a little suspicious. No, same. You <laughs> like, know, what's I'm, wrong with I'm 41 <laughs> and
3: I'm not married and don't have kids, too. And they're like, "Hmm, something's going on there. And I'm like, I'm really happy.
4: Right. They're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, it was different when I lived abroad. So they'd be like, you moved here? Oh, with your husband? And I was like, no. And that's when I was like 28. So now it'd be like, well, you're just a crazy old lady now but like yeah what's the dating pool going to be like so i think it's going to be like this uh geometry yeah. i'll we have to create my own algorithm mm-hmm. what are the politics what's the dating yep. pool what are the demographics yep. <laughs> can i get like a decent egg roll <laughs> like i want a little bit of everybody yeah. I mean, and that a part of that is my bias as being someone who grew up in new york who you know, new people from all over the world kind of.
3: Yeah. Well, and also the fact that you're like, I'm not starving to get married and have a kid. Whereas if I was interviewing someone and they were like, I really want to find a partner and have kids as soon as possible. I would say, you know, be careful if you're moving to a place with just fewer people generally. But if you're very open to the different types of relationships that you can find, I think that it's it's an interesting experience.
4: Yeah, I just feel like I'm at a point where it's just been like, well, I know what I'm good at yeah. on my day-to-day. I don't know if I need to complicate it that yeah. much with another birthday. <laughs> totally.
3: Is there anything right now that's holding you back? Probably money. I just need to save more yeah. money.
4: Like everything has gone up so much in the last couple years that I'm just like, it's going to be like a leap of faith, regardless of how many places I visit. Yeah. I'm like... I don't need to make this decision today, Mm -hmm. but I feel like within the next six months, I need to make this decision.
3: Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. We dipped our toe in the whole dating conversation with Noelle. For now, it's hypothetical. For next week's episode, we hear from someone who is dealing with small-town dating right now. What's it like to date within a smaller group of people? What do you compromise on? And what are the absolute deal breakers? And how much driving are we actually talking about here? I promise you will not want to miss it. Town Sizing is produced by Neon Hum Media for HDTV. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other folks find the show. I'm Ann Helen Peterson, and if you see me online or even in real life, be sure to give me that small town wave.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen